Happy Monday, August 2nd, 2021. It's John Richards, a Cut Above Horror Review Podcast, episode number five. Now, unfortunately, we couldn't do a live episode this week, only because uh, the simple fact that uh, I've been traveling. So we're officially coast to coast at a Cut Above Horror Review in San Diego, in New York, in North Carolina. And this week, uh, we actually recorded an episode. This is the second one we ever recorded called At Midnight, I'll Take Your Soul from 1964. Otherwise, known as Coffin Joe, part of a trilogy, a Brazilian film, actually very, very underrated. I don't know how many of you horror fans have seen it, but if you haven't, well, I highly recommend you check it out. Find out what we thought about it. Episode number five of A Cut Above Horror Review. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and at Facebook. And uh, we're, we're official. We're on iTunes, so don't forget to rate and review us or check us out wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy episode number five. A Cut Above Horror Review, it's starting right now. Cut my life into pieces! Good evening, everybody. Welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, the podcast where we review all things horror. I'm Jacqueline, and tonight we'll be talking about the 1964 film At Midnight, I'll Take Your Soul. Uh, which is the first of the Coffin Joe trilogy. Uh, but before we get into that, let's meet everybody else on the show. I'm Hydroberg. I'm John Richards. This was a trilogy? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she actually only finished the last one in like, what, 2008 or something like that? 2008, yeah. So like there's like a 50-year lag. Actually, this guy actually passed away last year in February. Yes. Oh, man. Like 83, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you say what year this was from? 1964. Yeah. yeah, and I also have the original title, but I wasn't even going to attempt to say it because <laughs> it's like, Mia Note. I can't even. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not up on my Portuguese. Do it. Yeah, I want to hear, hear this. I don't want to butcher anybody's uh, Portuguese background. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this film, yeah, it's the first of a trilogy. Um, I believe the second film was made just like a year or two after this one. And then there was like a 50 year gap before the conclusion of the trilogy. But um, he did a lot of other stuff in between, which we can talk about later. I was going to say, I saw a lot of other movies that look like they use the same character or at least imagery of the same character. Yeah. So the character of Coffin Joe um, is sort of considered to be like a national horror icon of Brazil. And like he's sometimes known as the Brazilian boogeyman or the Brazilian Freddy Krueger. And so he has a strong like iconography in yeah. Brazilian pop culture. Uh, so the character appears in lots of other movies. So are you well talking like, about you're talking about this character itself, almost like a character. Michael Myers or, or, or Fr- yeah. Freddy Krueger? OK, I got you. OK, yes. But he is always played by the, the creator of the character, um, Jose. Uh, Mojica Marins. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm not. Uh, Mojica or skin. Mojica. I wasn't sure with how you pronounce yeah. that. I'm, I'm not great at Portuguese pronunciation. He's, uh, he's actually the writer of, well, he's a co-writer of this movie. Yeah. I freaking so, love that guy. That guy was so good. <laughs> he was sorry. good. Oh he my definitely gosh. likes, yeah, he definitely chewed the scenery when he was in scenes. Oh, True boy. story. Yeah, I guess we'll, uh, I'll get, I guess we'll get more into it, but um we had uh, Easter. You guys have a good Easter and everything. Everything. Oh good yeah. On the... Yeah. How's the new good. child there, Jacqueline? Sorry, what's that? How's the new child? Oh, great. She's doing awesome. She's she's a very easy baby. Um, I hope she doesn't end up living up to her namesake, Samara. Oh boy. <laughs> mm. so, We're just gonna go throwing uh, her down any wells, and I think you'll be pretty good. I, I was planning to avoid that. So, uh, <laughs> but no, she's she's a really easy baby so far. Easter was fun. I'm not a religious person, but it was fun, you know, doing the whole like Easter egg hunt with the older kids and everything, and you know, eating candy and stuff. So, not it's not That's a religious a occasion for us, but it's more just like a fun day. What about you guys? I went to church, which I'm not usually. I don't usually do. So yeah, it's different. You guys saw the picture of my prime rib. So oh man, that was a that pretty was- sweet prime rib. Tasty. Would you put some rosemary on there or something? I did. I had fresh rosemary. I love that. I, I'll flavor. tell you one thing. Being a guy, I'm actually one hell of a cook. Nice. Not, not to brag. That's a, uh, the best that's cooks are men. So everybody knows that. Oh, come on. My, ask my girlfriend. She loves it. Yes, sir. <laughs> Hyderberg, I love all your breakfast photos. I like Yeah, that's my I need name. A Hyderberg omelet. Breakfast. 
I'll tell you a funny story about Hydroburger Day is that like I, I think it was one of your breakfasts, and then I I messaged you uh about the avocados because i'm from i'm from san diego originally so it's like i saw the avocados and i'm like that's like heaven to me i love avocados yeah, i was trying to do like a tr- ice cream like an el salvadorian breakfast with like some crema and chorizo and i had the avocado and some beans <laughs> nice and then we had then i had avocado dip during one of those uh joe bob live watches because everybody was you know when we do those we always talk about what we're drinking and eating Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I got avocado dip. And you were like, oh, man. So, like, I even have you on my phone as John Richards with an avocado. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love avocados. Well, they're going to take my Mexican card away because I actually can't stand avocados. That's all right. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. I don't I don't dig the guac. I should I should get my girlfriend in here because she would scorn you right now. <laughs> I know. I know it's terrible. I like, wish I enjoyed them, but I don't. You're not representing. Come on. I know. Yeah, come on. Bad little Mexican. Um, horror movie news. There wasn't much going on. Um, Ryan Murphy. I don't know if you guys are big fans of American Horror Story. Uh, I wouldn't say put, big fan, but you know. I've actually I like, enjoyed. I want to like it more than I do. They always tend to drag on, and they go. They're up and down. Yeah. The story starts good with like one topic, you know, one subject, and then. We're dealing with ghosts and then an alien shows up or something. It's always weird to me. Right. Well, weird. I did see that Ryan Murphy actually put up on his Twitter account that he was looking for the actual title for the new season. I know it's going to be set in colonial days. Originally, we're talking about that it was going to be called Pilgrim, but okay. he actually gave the option to fans of like hashtag it um, A-H-S. Um, it was Bloody Mary or virus or something like that. Plague. plague. It I was saw plague. That too. Yeah. yeah. And he ended up pulling it down. So I guess we don't know exactly what it's going to be called, but I'm kind of leaning towards that Bloody Mary, especially if it's during colonial times and you get to like get, get her backstory of that. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, obviously it'll go down because I mean, it's what 10, 12 episodes. So yeah. I think if they shortened this season, it would be tighter. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, maybe yeah. six episodes would be better. Yeah, because there's like how many episodes each season? 13. Like, yeah. Season. yeah, it's too much. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, I, I don't have anything else for horror movie news, but I did go see like the big blockbuster this past weekend, which was <laughs> Godzilla versus Kong. Of course. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I it was. I was so underwhelmed. Nice. Huh? It was a little underwhelming for me. You thought it was? Yeah, like for yeah. me, it was great because I, I, I just love getting back to the theater. I mean, yeah, if you have HBO Max, that's fantastic. But being out at the theater and it was weird because being at the <laughs> at the theater is like you could pre-order it. And it, it's been so long since we've been there. I didn't realize that you could pre-order your popcorn and sodas and they have the oh. tray thing. Wow. Obviously, they have the social distancing out there. But well, I mean, that's the good. Recliner- recliner seats and having that big screen and just the surround sound and everything. It. it was it was so nice and you know i would recommend going see it maybe a matinee you don't have to go spend the 15 bucks that it's going to cost mm-hmm. you when you go at night last right? movie i saw was tenant mm-hmm. i've heard that, that. Yeah, somebody ago. else told me that too yeah so john let me ask you if it if you removed the just experience of going to the theater and the you know, elation of being back out in the world again and took that emotional component out of it. Mm-hmm. Would you still like the movie as much as you did? Like how much of that enjoyment was just due to the experience itself and how much was the movie itself? I, I, I did. I did enjoy it. Um, well, and I heard the straight chill guys, they actually reviewed it this past weekend. Yeah. Or this past week. But like, to me, it was, it was Good. I mean, the action was fine. Um, I actually, because my girlfriend's son is really getting into the the Kong and Godzilla thing, so we watched Kong Skull Island before we went to go watch. Yeah, this. I rewatched and, that also, and I think that was my favorite. I like I mean, Kong better in that than the way they portrayed him in the new one. And the mm-hmm. new one, he just—I didn't like that they just kind of didn't even show his getting captured. Like he was just captured all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was not. I don't know. Out. He just seemed sort of dumb. Like he was. I don't know. In, in Skull Island, he was like a presence. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't feel that as much in the Godzilla vs. Kong movie. Yeah. Well, there John, were... I think you, you said something which was key, which you said the action was fine. But in a movie like this, like 
I be, want the action awesome. to blow my head off. I want like Marvel movie action, like yeah. It had it. It did not. It, it did not blow my head off. I gotta say, it no, felt it was, rushed it was so, or something. It, like it just yeah, felt it, pieced it, together. Like yeah, it, it felt like they cut a lot of it out. I mean, it was yeah. like because it wasn't mm-hmm. even quite two hours to watch it. No, I mean, but, I get it. I'm not looking for like gone with the wind it is a monster movie two monsters fighting but i just felt like you could have i don't know i'm not a marvel i'm not a marvel guy but i mean even endgame was like three and a half hours long and yeah. i didn't feel like that movie was three and a half hours long because i no, definitely not so much and again i'm not a comic book guy i'm not going to sit there and go to the horn of marvel but that i had so much fun with that movie it was long as hell and you're just like whoa yeah. Um, Meanwhile, uh, Godzilla versus Kong, I just I felt like it was already too long because all the like the human element of it was I'm sorry. I thought it was so boring. It Um, was. It felt like it was just servicing. It was just trying to get you to the next fight scene. And then the fight scenes themselves didn't deliver for me, too. So it made it even worse. They felt like they forced humor. Yeah, it was. Yeah. They felt like they forced humor in there. It was like and how many times like, are they going to attack Godzilla with playing? Like you know, from three movies ago, that like that doesn't do it. You drop the nuke on him. Yeah. Why are you going to shoot missiles? If I was a pilot, I'd be like, I'm not going after him. He's just going to swap me out of the air. Yeah, I, I want to talk more about it. I'm not. I kind of. I know, wanna, but like, that's not the episode. It. That's not what this episode. So, Jacqueline. Okay. <laughs> Get back on track. I, I here's the thing: is that I had never ever ever heard of this movie because you you referenced it. Uh, both uh, at midnight or, or or Coffin Joe. I've never heard of this. Why I've heard the Coffin any... Joe name before, just not the name. Yeah, why, why did you pick this? I'm curious. So I had a few reasons. Um, the reason it came to mind in the first place was last time when we were talking about Mortuary Collection, mm-hmm. the, the cover art or the image art on Shudder uh, of the, the mortician with the top hat kind of reminded me of this and it kind of got me thinking, and I realized, like, it's been a pretty long time since I've seen this movie, maybe 10 years or so. And I thought, yeah, you know, that's something that I kind of want to revisit and see, you know, how how my feelings about it may have changed since 10 years ago. Um, also, I really like movies that seem to be either ahead of their time or kind of buck the social norms or, like, defy the social norms of the time. Yeah. Yep. And... From this being from the early 60s. Um, I try to view it in that headspace too. Yeah. So you know, not from now, but view it as in how it what might have been viewed in that time, in that yeah. country too, you know? Exactly. And so at that time, Brazil was under a military dictatorship and the populace was very heavily Catholic. And so I can only imagine that just, you know, this is a very low budget movie. Um, you can tell that a lot of it's like there's a lot of practical effects. It's not a slick, sophisticated movie by any stretch. I think they did but, a job, though. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. But I can only imagine that in an, in a social and cultural environment such as that, it must have been quite shocking. And the the deeds that go on in this movie, I think, are so much more brutal and raw and. Um, just a bucking of social norms than maybe some of the films that were coming out in the same time in the States, like Hitchcock films, which are very yeah. suspenseful, but they're very sophisticated. This is uh, not- I, I, yeah. I, I, and I kind of saw that too. I mean, as far as like the Hollywood norms, I, I don't know what year it was, but there was like this agreement. I forgot what it, what the rule was called when it came to movies. And I think it started back in the, the mid twenties. Whereas it's like you can't show this, this, that, this, this. Like obscenity laws or something like that. Yeah, like and, and like all Hollywood followed that, and even mm-hmm. even Psycho did to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as silly as it sounds, Psycho showed the first flushing toilet, which yeah. to me, this movie's four years later, and it shows so much more. And yeah. and the like the main was, pill in Psycho is seen. You're not. You don't actually see it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly like right. You see images, you see shadows, you see blood a little bit in the water or whatever, but you don't actually see the kill. Right. Yeah, this movie disturbed the hell out of me. I really did. I mean, I was just, I was not expecting this. I was like, you know, some some classic 1960s horror movie that, that's going to make you get uncomfortable, like Psycho did. I mean, Psycho did the exact mm-hmm. same thing, but as low budget as it was, it's just like... I also actually wrote down, I thought it was pretty funny that our first flick was the mortuary collection about a mortician. And this is sort of about like a similar guy. Yeah. Like he's a grave, they call him a grave digger in IMDb, but I feel like he's more than that. 
Yeah. yeah I, th- I think he's the like the mortician. I think yeah, he does it all. Right? Yeah, because yeah, he, he like, says he's like, oh, I did my best work or whatever to yeah. the, the first woman you see who's grieving. Yeah. He's well, not just a grave digger. We should, sure. Before we get to that, we should probably um, get to. You want me to do a reach around? <laughs> right, yeah. Our feature is called the Hydroberg, Hydroberg Reach Around Plot. So have at so it, buddy. I reach around my back and I pull out my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you got me there. Uh, Damn it. Yeah, I got a quick little synopsis here with my own okay. spin on it. Uh, a horny, creepy uh, grave digger looks for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> he wants a child to continue his bloodline, but his mistress's womb ain't so fine. She can't give him one, so he goes on a mission to plant a seed in a willing or unwilling woman. And I'm not going to spoil anything else. Ah, all right. That was perfect. Okay, I'm going to give the spoiler Poetic. alert. We're going to be talking about this movie it in its entirety. Right? What was that? I said it rhymed a little bit. I kind of love that. Yeah, you should be a rapper. Uh, At Midnight, I'll Take Your Soul or uh, uh, Coffin Joe from 1964. We're going to be talking about this movie in its entirety. If you have not seen this movie, pause the podcast. I did watch it for free on YouTube, and it is available out there in a few other I watched the link Jacqueline gave me, and I watched it on my phone because being compressed, it actually had a better quality resolution wise then mm. i think it was the same probably image but the one on youtube was very grainy and it was hard to tell well did you I watch the subtitles details. or no i watched subtitles yeah and they were in yellow which really helped out okay. yeah yeah mine were in white that's weird okay uh, yeah so I wrote a little something down about the opening okay the initial thoughts let's start with Heidelberg. initial thoughts of the movie man uh, my initial thoughts, just straight off the bat, it was yes. an interesting film. I'm, I'm glad I've watched it, and it's in, like, my lexicon of horror knowledge, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I wasn't even familiar with it. The, the name Coffin Joe sounds familiar. He he reminded me of, like, a Sven Gulli sort of uh, Like, I wonder if that guy sort of based his look off him, you know, with the hat and stuff. Different looks, mm-hmm. but sort of similar, you know, the long coat and black. And I don't know. It was uh, It's an interesting film. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I want to watch maybe the sequels or at least a documentary about the filmmaker himself. Yeah. He has an interesting life. He had an interesting life leading up to this film. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, Jacqueline was, was like, like eight, cheering. By the time he was 18, they said he, he's like done like 80 feature films. Like, I don't know how well made they were. Yeah, I think I read something like that, too. That I think he, um, when he was a child, he was actually living in the back of a movie yeah. theater where his dad yep. was working. He helped so his I family he got take care start. of it. Yeah, so I think he, was, he got a start by making, you know, little short films, you yep. know, little homemade and things. I think, the, like, his nails in this movie are fake, but eventually the actual guy started growing his own nails out to a grotesque length, they said. And then at one point, it says that he cut him in 1998. So oh, that's method. That is the most method actor I've ever heard of. I didn't actually notice the nails until like later on in the film. And then I started seeing them. He was wearing gloves a lot, though. Well, yeah, he put the gloves on whenever he was bugging out. And then his eyes started doing that weird. Oh, Lord. Like the eyebrows. The eyebrows, but then his eyes would go bloodshot. Yeah, there's like a little fade. Jekyll and Hyde sort of mode kicked in. There you you go. Jacqueline, initial thoughts. Uh. Well, I think this film has a lot going for it. Uh, a lot of surprising, uh, surprisingly skillful qualities. Uh, I think there are also a lot of thing, a lot of strikes against it when we judge it from our current day and time. Uh, I think yeah. it has to be acknowledged that this is a deeply misogynistic film yeah. and a, a deeply misogynistic character. I think um, that's the point, though. You know. It is. I don't know that this kind of character would be appealing to, like, as a as a new um, property to He's today's not a audiences. Character at all, to be honest. He's not a likable character. A character. He's very misogynistic. He's a blasphemer. So if you are, you know, um, easily offended about um, blasphemy against Christianity, then and the devil and the and the devil. Yeah, he's, yeah, he he's against all of it. Against uh, both. It's it's going to be maybe a difficult movie to swallow, so I don't I don't think it's for everybody. But I think we can discuss those um, qualities within the context of the the times and you know judge it for what it is. So it, yeah, I, I didn't know anything about this movie. Like to me, <laughs> it sounded like a cool title. Um, oh yeah, 1964. 
Um, I do know that movies, and I, I don't know what the situation was in Brazil as far as doing color movies, but this guy obviously took a lot of a lot of notes on Psycho. He took a lot of notes on the movie uh, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, Jekyll and Hyde, you know, your classic universal yeah. movie. This guy took all those notes and kind of incorporated it into one. And I'm going to say actually kind of a brilliant movie as as much uh, misogyny that that was in this. I think it was the times are and I don't know the culture of Brazil and what was going on. Obviously, there was like a dictator or whatever. But to me, this was kind of like like Jacqueline. I think you said it way ahead of its time. Like, like this, this movie was like, whoa, the misogyny definitely does service the plot, though. You know, it's that's, not just there for no true. reason. That's it's true. part of his character and his ambition, like what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree with that 100. percent I yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I totally... don't agree with what he was doing, but it's definitely. Right. And, and what is a horror movie supposed to do to be effective? Is make you uncomfortable? Yeah. You know, is it is our is it our 2021 brains and and being more woke, if you will, of of seeing stuff like this? Because you know the 80s still had that, the 90s had it somewhat, 2000s Absolutely. got better with it. But yeah, there I mean, was there was no nudity in this. There wasn't. There was yeah, I don't know boot? if it was even allowed back then. So, yeah, maybe. I, I mean, don't know. I, I would I would be surprised if if that were allowed at that at that time. But they could show yeah, they could show a, a dude was this released back in America girl, like you know. originally in 1964, or was this sometime like released later? I don't. No, know. I think because I think uh, what's his name? Um, God, what was his name? Russ Russ Meyer or something like that came out with those those mainstream like. Um, Softcore adult movies. I got landed back here, so I don't want to say it. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, you had you had directors like that, and I I really loved. And again, I don't know what the situation was with with Brazil, but the black and white just so added so much like feeling to it. I and I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm not a big fan of black and white, but that was great because it, it works for it, this film. Yeah, if you want to do comparisons, you've got to look at your 1920s, your 1930s, and then you got to look at Psycho, which, mm-hmm. you know, Alfred Hitchcock had the budget to do it in, in color. Yeah, I believe he fought for it to be in black and white, I think. He did, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So, John, I agree with you, and I think that you notice immediately, I think, when the movie starts, that the light and shadows and just the visual look of the movie are very stark, and they're, they remind me of the German expressionist films of the 20s, like Nosferatu, The Cabinet yeah. of Dr. Caligari. Uh, and it almost kind of, for me, it evokes some of those stereotypical images of like a haunted house. And you hear some of these sounds that you might hear on like a Halloween record. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I just said record. Uh, like a <laughs> Halloween album, so you know? Old. A Blu-ray. With, like oh, wailing, sorry. like ooh, and owls mm-hmm. hooting and thunder cracking. And it almost sounds like a stock soundtrack to, to a haunted house or something. But I feel like the sound, all those sounds and the the very stark shadow, the, the stark division between light and shadow um, in the visual look really creates something very beautiful. And it creates a really kind of spooky atmosphere that I really enjoy. You never got a sense of what the town was like because you couldn't really see. Everything was almost at night all the time, you mm-hmm. know, and you never you saw like woods. You saw a couple of buildings. You never knew where the structures were, like how big the area was. You saw a daytime mm-hmm. once in a while when they were burying somebody. Yeah. You know, yeah there's the no night. establishing shots. There's no wide no. shots where you see a good portion of the landscape at, at a time. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of like the opening. So did I. And I'll, I'll say this. I like for both. Me what he says and then i like what the gypsy tells you breaking and the I fourth wall some... like in a movie like that uh, does yeah. that ever happen unless alfred hitchcock comes out and says you're about to watch a movie that's going to scare the shit out of you <laughs> you know and it's like you don't see that and and you know this this guy is telling you this is what life is all about you know there's yes. no good and evil it's just he all about wrote okay. what he said go ahead he says what is life it is the beginning of death what is death it is the end of life what is existence? It's the continuity of blood. What is blood? It's the reason to exist. And then I wrote, the continuity of blood is to exist. The reason to exist is blood. Blood is life and life is the beginning of death. Death, the end of life. I feel like it's a metaphor for life and, and continuing your bloodline. But it's also like, tell it, it's, giving, it's like, 
it's in telling you who like that a character cyclical is. Nature, nature of life, you know, like the circle of life, to quote the Lion King. Understood, yeah. but but I mean, that's exactly who the character was. But then you jump yeah, to the gypsy. That was his motivation. Yeah, the gypsy gives you a warning. Do not be in this theater. You know, this is going to kill you. You know, this warning thing, you know. and, and So and I feel like there's a metaphor to what she says as well. Right. Well, breaking the fourth wall, just saying, do not watch this movie. It's going to affect you. You know, I, I love watching thing. this movie will bring us I feel like it, it brings you closer to death watch yeah. it she says, yeah. at midnight I'll take your soul as the clock rings and then I, I feel like for those of us that have experienced death mm-hmm. or seen it you're that much closer to it when you have mm-hmm. like it's in your life now you know what I mean it's a fact of life naturally yeah. but but um, once you you're you're more aware of it when you've experienced it you know what I mean mm-hmm. like it's definitely yeah that's a good point that's a good point Hyderberg and I think I think you're both right like John I think uh that opening lays out the philosophy of the character for you right away so like you said you know who this character is you know what his objectives are we we know right off the bat that he's obsessed with continuing his bloodline and Hyderberg I think you're also right about having experienced something like that in in our own lives it brings us closer to that point and another thing that that reveals about the character is that he doesn't believe in an afterlife. He scorns yeah, he anything superstitious or religious. There's a lot about this character that I think religious people would say is evil, but other people might just say is humanistic. Yeah, like, he, he says believes, the one proof is life itself. Like, yeah, that's it. He doesn't believe in anything else. Right. There, there is no afterlife. There is nothing superstitious or supernatural that exists in, in his mind. And he, um, like the human experience is paramount and human judgment and wisdom is paramount. And those things are actually beliefs that are encapsulated by modern day Satanists uh, mm. who, you know, the name, it sounds evil or whatever, but really Satanists are just humanists they don't they don't actually believe that there is an evil demon named satan that they worship it's it's about the um the ultimate nature of human reason observation intelligence well the one thing that i yeah the one thing i kind of loved about that is that like he has that monologue in the middle of the movie where you know everybody had died and he's hearing all these voices from his past and and then all of a sudden he goes into this great monologue, which is some great acting, by the way. You know, he's running around. He, he calls out God. He calls out the he challenges. Devil, you know, both smite of me. You know, it's like, Show I don't mean the punishment. Any of you. And then nothing happens yep. to him until he runs he into the, the gypsy proof later. Is life itself. Yeah, ex- like, exactly right. Challenge so me. He's like, show me the punishment. Yeah. Nothing proof happened. His, win- yeah. his windows blew a little more. And that's when he starts to unravel a little bit. I feel like it's true. There's a but, couple but, of times. Yeah, and like to me, it was like that. That was a it was a great piece of acting, but it was also kind of like this guy's a little deeper than I thought. I wasn't sure at that point whether ask. those were actual ghosts starting to, or there was his guilt. It's guilt. I mean, it, it, it's his conscience. That's yeah. that, that was going into him because he didn't see anything. Nothing manifested itself until no, the right. I think some of that may have kind of been like the seed may have been planted by the gypsy because he's feeling fine when he encounters the gypsy when he's walking Marta home. He's like, right. get away from me, you old witch. I'll deal with you on my way back. But right. she but she keeps going and somehow seems to kind of get under the get under the skin there and uh, you know get the foot in the door of his, his psyche a little bit. But when she tells him starts mm-hmm. coming, you know, once he drops Marta off. Even right, though with the owl the and the cat right now, but, yeah, and, and the wind. And the exactly. Foot. It all starts happening. Yeah, that's when he loses his fucking mind. Yeah, he's yeah. losing his, his mind. Well, I think that goes to show, like, you can only intellectualize things so much, and at a certain point, we're all human, and I think human beings are susceptible to, um, you know, uncertain, like fear, fear of the unknown, right? Sure. So when something that seems supernatural or impossible, somebody says, "Oh, you're going to encounter a black cat," and then you're going to hear an owl. And then you're going to hear some footsteps when nobody's there and it's easy to mm-hmm. shrug that off. But then when it happens, you have to question, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The first, I, and I don't think the first monologue that we see at the beginning of the movie is like, it, it's just somebody giving you a monologue in your face or, or basically an info dump or kind of what the theme of the movie's about. 
But the, the the real sign that you get is that at the beginning of the movie when it's the holy day, I guess it's yeah, it must be Good Friday, Friday or something. something. Yeah. Like like representation. He eats of it Good at Friday. the window and watches like a religious procession go by. He's he eating just, like, lamb just out there. <laughs> I'm eating lamb. Fuck you. He just floats every... like, Yeah. He don't care. He didn't give a shit. Oh, <laughs> uh, so... not at all. God, and nobody in the- town seems to care for him, but they're not willing to really step up to him because you see what he does in the bar that he keeps going to. Which made me wonder what he, everybody, who he was. I mean, was he yeah. some sort of subhuman thing? or? or maybe well, I not, guess. Or- maybe they're not sure whether he was just a human or because or, he's very dark. Mm-hmm. I thought about that and maybe because like his anti-religion stance and the fact that he was very intimidating and what he just wore. like the bartender tells Maria like she's like I'm scared of him she's he's like don't show him that at all yeah that that, not that he was anything subhuman and maybe it was just kind of a ruse of his eyes turning bloodshot you know and all of a sudden having this he didn't have a but superhuman did you hear strength. that one dude when he fights that one guy in the bar in the beginning he calls him an emissary of Satan when he kicks him yeah. The and then and then our guy Joe Coffin Joe gets up and that's when his you see his eye thing for the first time. Which by the way, like the, charged by some force or something. He pulls yeah, out the whip whipping. Yeah, the practical guy. effects in this movie were so good for Pretty this time. Pretty impressive for 1964. Yeah. And for and for a, a like, country that did so, not yeah. have a horror film history. Um, oh, because this is the first one, right? It's the this yeah. is the first horror film out I of I believe Brazil. they did this with like store bought stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it was all it was just like kind of production movie stuff. It was like yeah. whatever they could find. Yeah, I think it was like practical homemade stuff yep. just cobbled together as best they could on a low budget. And I also noticed the editing watch. seemed like there was like it was rough, but at the same time there was some flip edits and there was some. Yeah, it wasn't that bad for a movie like you know made on the cheap like this. In a, in a that didn't bother me at all. Not yeah. at all. Yeah, I, I think for some people they might think it was cheesy, but I think if you you know are a, a tolerant and um, interested viewer, I don't think those sorts of things. Yeah. I feel like you got to put yourself in the in that time frame too. Like, right. We're viewing it in two thousand twenty one, so. Mm-hmm. so yeah, if you were if you were sitting in a theater in nineteen sixty four or nineteen sixty five watching this thing, it was probably pretty impressive. I would think so, and from what I understand, um, Jose Marin's wasn't really familiar with other with the work of other horror directors wow. it's like this that is really blows me his away. own it's, it was really his own vision without having like the horror vocabulary of somebody who's well versed in horror films it was really just his original vision the one thing i found like a little unbelievable is that antonio would be friends with this guy like nobody likes this guy and antonio doesn't see any of those qualities in joe that everybody else sees, like Joe literally goes after his woman when he's not around. He, you know, forces himself on her. She bites him. Well, she, he yeah. doesn't know that, though. I mean, that, that, no, I think the thing is, is he that he calls his girlfriend like a mistress. He's not even, it's not even his wife or anything. Right, right? but there's I mean, a lot everybody of everybody knows he's a piece of shit, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. So, I guess maybe Antonio is just such a nice guy that he's willing to. Well, be his and a lot of the movie, he has an internal monologue about who he really is, but I mean, he comes off very nice to people. He, he's, he he's, the big, he's the biggest dipshit at the bar because, I mean, he just he intimidates everybody, you know, and just orders everybody around and nobody will talk to him. You know, it's like they had that card game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even when he has that fight, Antonio is the one that comes and like breaks it up. He brings it like, yo, you well, let's get out of here. It's true, but he didn't see like. No, you're right. He didn't see because, what he was doing. Because Z or Zay or whatever his name was is just, you know, he he's total nice guy. You know, hey. Yeah, I wasn't even gonna. You. I was just. I'm just calling him Joe. Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Let's call him Joe. I'm fine with that. Yeah. So we don't know anything about his history in this town. Like like we said, we don't know much about the town. We don't know why he lives here. Has he always lived here? We don't really know his backstory. So. I mean, it could be anything. Maybe he and Antonio grew up together. They were childhood yeah. friends. and yeah. His family might have had like a big stake in this town or something. Maybe that's why he runs the business he does. Maybe so. Yeah, and he we has don't... a lot of money. Like he throws money around like it's nothing. Oh, yeah. Like when he cuts that guy's finger off with the bottle, he says like, uh-huh, yeah, sorry, I'll pay for the bills to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> Or when he gets yeah. the canary for the for the yeah. girl, for the Tarzina, he's like, "How $2, much?" Two thousand dollars. Yeah, two thousand. Two thousand. Yeah, and the bartender's like, "Okay." Damn. 
<laughs> what do you guys think of the kills? I thought they fun. were decent. Fun. And <laughs> creative. So fun. I think each one was just even more beyond the pale than the last. I mean, it, it almost got humorous at the end. Like, oh, now he's gouging eyes out and lighting people on fire. Of course well, he is. Yeah. Well, well, here, and, then, and then he used the he used the note, right, that that guy was writing. When the guy was asking to do another autopsy on Antonio. Oh, the doctor? Was, yeah. 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 He basically used that to get rid of the evidence and then light him on fire. I liked how oh. he tried to stage Antonio's death. Like, oh, I bumped my head and I fell into the tub with all my clothes on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, slammed I, I it in a there. bath and then somehow fell in the tub with my clothes on. I mean, uh, he wasn't trying very hard. Lenita, like the no, Lenita kill to me was was okay. I mean, it, spider. It, it, yeah, because it's a tarantula. Tra- I felt bad for her because she really liked him. Yeah, she was a devoted yeah, wife. Yeah, she did because like, like she, up until she that moment, him. she literally liked him. You know, yeah, she mean? says, "I'm so bear s- a child," and he like hated her for it. Yeah, I, I'm so sorry. I just want to make you happy, and he goes, "Oh, you will." Yeah, and that's <laughs> what I hate. Like, that's when I knew like this guy's over the top. He's literally like, <laughs> "It's a great show watching you die." Like, what the fuck is wrong with you, bro? They didn't even show him it reminded me of Austin Powers, and he's like, and now I'm going to give you this yeah. unnecessarily elaborate death, and I'm not even going to watch it happen. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. It was like it unnecessarily like, elaborate. You know? Yeah, exactly. No, the, like, to me, the kills are great. You know, the way he pokes out the doctor's eyes, lights them on fire, and I, I think you guys are both right. Like, they get more elaborate as you go along. And mm-hmm. he's like, she's no longer his mistress. She's death's mistress. Yeah. Right after he kills him with the spider, I don't know. Like some of the some of the dialogue, I thought was kind of poetic. Yeah. Yeah. The one the one scene that really sticks out for me is just like when he's having that monologue in his in his place in his house while the storm's going off and he's cursing the devil and God, and it was just like like to me, I was enthralled with that, and you know, paying attention to every word. I also thought, like, what was with this house? What were all the fucking hands coming out of the walls? Like, it was a oh, like where he'd hang his coat. That decor. Nobody else's house looked like that. <laughs> you know, he's a, he's like one of them had a hat on it. I think. Like I was like, are those coat racks or what are those supposed, supposed to be for? They were just like random hands, somewhere. like mannequin hands coming out of walls and stuff. Like they were like statues or something. It was weird. Like Willy Wonka. Yeah, it was really like, weird. Coat. Absolutely. <laughs> and it, you know what I did notice though? He had a real soft spot for children, right? When he stops that one dad. Beating his oh, kid. From, oh yeah. Now like, I wonder hey. would he have stopped that dad if that was his daughter, right? Because he has a soft spot for sons. I don't know about obviously he's misogynistic. So you're right. I, I, I think, think he really valued right. women I, that much. I think if it was flipped around on its head, but he yeah, literally absolutely. says like, "This is the continuity of your bloodline. What are you doing?" Yeah. Like, yeah. well, and he, he also says that a real man doesn't cry. You know, yeah, he well, says that to the everybody kid. knows that. Yeah. Hey. I cried during Godzilla. Versus I cried Trump, this weekend at my friend's wake. So well, I know you did. I, you're a real man. You're <laughs> yeah. You can do that, buddy. Real men do. Cry. I did like the whole continuity of the bloodline. I thought that was a interesting. I don't know. Sort of uh, idea. I mean, it does give the character a driving motivation, right? Like yeah. we might not agree with the. I sort of wonder what he'd be like if he had, had a child before this. Like, would he have turned, or was he always a like a sociopath? Because he was obsessed with it. Yeah, he was definitely obsessed. And we don't know his background. I wonder, like, what his father might have been like. Maybe his father left him or, like, there could have been something there where, like, he literally, why was he so obsessed with having a son and continuing his life? We don't know that. I think that's a big question mark and a gap in the storytelling. Um, I actually have not seen the second and third parts of the trilogy. So perhaps those movies go into that. I, I don't know the answer to that, though. Well, his backstory is family. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it'd be curious it, to see if, you know, there's there was something that happened with his mom to where he just like, because he does say something. Well, I, I forgot what it was. It was something like um, um, something about uh, a woman that can't bear a child needs no care. Yeah. So, you know, maybe there was something with his mom and, you know, not spend too much time on that because we haven't seen the trilogy. But, yeah, he did. He mentioned that. Yeah, maybe. While he and was I, with. So I noticed, uh, what were you saying? No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was finished with my thought. I was, it was after Antonio's death. I Like his uh, girlfriend. What's her name? Um, Teresina. Yeah, she she like literally knew Like she called him a murderer right at the wake. At the viewing. Like yep. she knew what was going on right away before anybody else seemed to know what was going on. 
well, everybody else like got her out of there. Oh, get her out of here. And then yeah. he goes, close the coffin. And you're like, whoa. So. And then again. he buys that bird. Yeah. And takes it to her as like a peace offering. She lets him in for some reason. I don't know why. And she so he kind of forces like, his way in. Forgiving, like, even though she called him a murderer that I've seen before, you know. But but yeah, it, it she he forces his way in though. It's like, listen, you're gonna let me in, and we're gonna discuss yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. And then he, he clearly is uncomfortable on with this. She's mourning Antonio. She's you know unhappy. Yeah. She's not looking for a new man. So. No. She doesn't really seem to want to have anything and to do with it. he beats her and rapes her. Yeah. And I was like, definitely, even though it wasn't super graphic, I was definitely like, ooh. It's upsetting. No, it is that, upsetting. And the then beating, for her to commit suicide afterwards. Yeah. Is, the beating me, itself. It's, it's, the rape, they obviously it's, cut over. but Yeah, the beating scene, like, to me, just, that, like, it was hard to watch. I mean, and then afterwards. You see him like, ball his fist, too. Yeah, because he's, like, he's he wearing back. And, and then he, like, balls yeah, his fist. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, her. it wasn't a nice, polite little slap or anything like that. It was it was full force. And you know what it reminds me Guys, that's never right. It, it reminded me. No, uh, it reminded me of oh, what's the who's the bad guy in Cape Fear? What's his name? Oh, uh, Robert De Niro. Well, no, the, the character. His actual name. Oh, I don't know. Oh. But even the, the original version the, with Robert Mitchum as the villain. I'm not, I'm not um, both of them just so such an evil character. I saw a lot yeah. of parallels in it, and the scene where he like takes a bite out of the the woman um, in the in the remake. It's uh, Ileana Douglas, but he takes a bite out of her and then it's strongly suggested that he rapes her and in the original he he it's strongly suggested that he rapes her and it's just so brutal yeah it, it really reminded me of that character that i that i do we know the, the year of the original cape fear I, I don't know which one may have come 50s from, but, maybe 55 56 maybe you can look at yeah, it that's that sounds about right but um but it, it reminded me of that just a really despicable character with very few if any redeeming because he, he walks out laughing in 1962, like, so two years before this. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I, I don't know if Jose Marins may have seen Cape Fear or not. I, I guess Maybe. Know, but um, but there, there seems to be kind of a continuity of character there, a pattern. Um, yeah. Just a really despicable, amoral character. So, like, yeah. after, after he rapes her and he's, like, getting dressed, she's, like, threatens, basically, to kill herself. Yeah. Yeah. And like he doesn't seem to be bothered by that. Like he just planted his seed, he got what he wanted, and then you'd think he would look after her to make sure that she carries it to term. Well, I, I picked up I that he that, didn't believe her. Right, but yeah, that, that was my bird too. Like his his misogyny really kicked in because he just said, you know, the only thing that matters is life, and he throws the dead bird on her like you know, she was nothing. Um yeah, yeah. I, I and I thought. Even not not even just from this era, but like the hanging scene was disturbing. It was, you know, and the girl it, who finds her was like my ears started bleeding from the screen. Yeah. That she, oh oh yeah, I had earbuds in when I was watching it, and I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> she could have <laughs> been a scream queen. For turn sure. that turn that down. Yeah, yeah, and then but then she didn't even blame him in the note. She didn't no, which call him weird. out for what he did. Somehow somehow there still seemed to be. A loyalty or an allegiance to him. Yeah, and, and then everybody in town, to... like the doctor and the the police, mm -hmm. or whoever that was, they like basically knew that he did it, but they were like, "Well, how do we prove it?" She didn't blame him. That's interesting. I, I didn't pick everything the, together. There's too much death around this guy. The, that was the that was the part that skipped out on me. Uh, was was right after when the cops were saying, "Well, we know this guy did it, but she didn't say anything in her suicide note." Yeah, you so know, they don't have proof. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess I didn't pick up on that sheet because I didn't see any subtitles. I was waiting for subtitles to see what the note said. You know, it was like, you know, I did this because I'm so depressed or whatever. Or, or you can assume she's so depressed over at Antonio. This is why she did it. But never right. said anything well, so about it. It was at that point, like right before that, I think, where the gypsy tells Joe again that his time is coming soon. Yeah. We're going to pay He's for been warning. She warned Antonio first and then. Then she warns him, but he doesn't believe it, obviously. No, not, not that old witch. No way. No. Yeah. I liked her well, character. Me too. I think she, you know, she really put 100% into it. Yeah. Um, she had a great, like, cackle. But yeah, so so Terzinha doesn't incriminate him for some reason. And then yeah. the, the third woman that he kind of meets up with, the, the lady. Marta. That, yeah, Marta, who's visiting town, visiting her aunt in town. He gives her all kinds of red flags that she seems to completely ignore. 
you know, there he she allows him to walk her home. Yeah. And here's this exchange with the with the witch or the the, I'm sorry, the gypsy, and he threatens. He says, "I'll take care of her later when I come back." Yeah, and she doesn't care that he's speaking so rudely and threatening her. her. And then yeah. (laughs) And then he tells her, "Oh, I'm not going to come inside because your aunt hates me, and yeah. uh, I don't I want been her like, to see." Why me does she hate you? Because yeah, I'm from out like, of town. That's kind of a like red flag. Also, because like, I never knew he was carrying a piece until that part. He's up there. You never knew that coach. until the end. He just pulls out a gun and he's like, starts <laughs> shooting at him. Like, I was like, "Oh, never, yeah, oh okay." Never, never knew that. That was. Uh, I do want to go back to the gypsy real quick because it's like she's at the beginning Absolutely. of the movie. She's giving you the warning about do not watch this movie. I'll take your soul at midnight. Yeah. Um, I kind of loved the middle part where um, you know the 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 girlfriend Antonio and Joe go there, and she she gives. You know, she gives the, the plot of the movie or, or how they're going to die. Um, she gets more specific later on. But I kind of love that continuity of that. I thought it was just going to be a throwaway character, but it was actually a very important character towards the end of the movie as well. So mm-hmm. I kind of love I feel like that. that's why she had a little monologue right after his in the beginning, you know? Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah, yeah. She, she's more important than she might initially seem. But uh, yeah. Any other major points or observations you guys want to make? Um. Let me see here real quick. His death. His death sucked. I just wrote him in my phone, so I just got to scroll. Yeah, his death Uh, sucked. I thought it looked good, but his death sucked. You didn't see squad. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it was basically like he was driven mad. So, like, that's – I don't think he was ever – I don't know. Was it implied that he was killed by the ghost? I think he just, like – Why was his eyeball died from what he saw. His (laughs) eyeballs – but it was almost like he saw too much, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's – I kind of interpret it as, like – he, he saw their corpses. When he starts bugging out and he sees the black cat and the owl, he shoots at the owl, right? He kills the owl? I don't remember. Like, the owl was supposed to be the harbinger of death. The cat was the devil, right? He heard rustling behind him and footsteps. The rustling was the ghost on the wind, like, sort of coming in. Yeah, and then footsteps you saw the, the ghost. The day of the coming. dead. When he goes, he, he kind of brushes it off. You're like, like, no big deal. I'm going to smoke my pipe. And then that's when Antonio shows up, his ghost. And he holds the candle and he's like, light. And you see like this weird effect around him to show that like, oh, he's supernatural. It was it was kind of cheesy, but it was like, the, I guess impressive back in the day. Yeah, the special effect. I mean, you cannot yeah. knock it for being 1964. Yeah, and you know, he had great. like, Antonio had some like wax on his face or some, yeah. some kind of makeup or whatever. But like that's yeah, when he starts bugging out. Joe starts unraveling at that point. Then he runs away. He sees the procession of death with his own body in the casket. They're like, mm-hmm. they're, they're like carrying him. And then he rolls down the hill. I believe, right? And he gets up and that's when he sort of runs into the mausoleum and that's when he sees the two caskets of the women that yeah. he killed. Well, he, he saw Antonio and then what's her name? And and then, was Antonio's in there? Okay. Yeah, their eyes are open. Yeah. yeah, their eyes are open. They're like black. He sees the spider on the one's face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're like and maggots. The one maggots. Like, yeah, yeah, maggots on her face, which was, those were real maggots on the lady's face. That was fun. That was actually fun. Yeah, his, yeah. It, and then that's it, when he just screams like... Yeah. Yeah, dirt all over his face at that point. And he was just like unraveled. Yep. Definitely Dead. Not as confident as he seemed before. Nice. This this movie deserves a remake, I think. <laughs> I'd love I to see it'd something be with... tough to remake it though. Where, I mean, you're gonna do it in color. You know, keep it black and white, but just yeah. gonna, some better special he's, he's effects. He's gonna be the cooter that he is, like can you get away with that nowadays? I see that stuff doesn't bother me because I, I think you could change up some of the theme of it. I think people I mean, would be that way. It's just saying yeah. that like there are people like that out there that I don't value women's worth and they only see them as a baby maker. Like you know what I mean? Like that is there are still people out there like that. I think if we were going to see a remake not. of this movie, we'd need to see some stronger female characters with a little I think more ben fight Affleck in them. Should play him. <laughs> he can be a cooter himself. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we need to see some like stronger women who fight back a little more and yeah. who uh, you know see the red flags. Or maybe women that would fight back, but make Joe a little bit more charming. Don't make him a total douchebag the whole movie. Like, yeah. make him charming a little bit more, where he does charm his way into these women's lives, and then you see the negative. You know what I mean? Because he was just yeah. a dick the whole movie. Or it's, it's not so obvious, right? He off was terrorizing the, the town. That's why I found yeah. it hard for, to believe that Antonio even saw any value in him as a friend, but yeah. Antonio was just a really nice guy. Uh, well, yeah, I think we I think we hit everything. So Jacqueline, what are what are we gonna 
what, what's our rating scale here? <laughs> uh, well, I think, uh, I think there, like I said, I think the, the aesthetics of this movie are great in terms of the kills, the cinematography, inexpensive though it was, the, the use of light and shadow is, I think, remarkable. Um, the acting by, by the writer and director, also the main character, was totally convincing. I mean, I'm really ready to hate this guy in real life, even though I'm sure that he's not like that. Uh, and, and it's a strong story. It's a simple story. It's not hard to follow, but it's a, it's a pretty strong story where we have a driving motivation and a definite arc of, of plot here. Um, the, the violence can be a little disturbing. When there he takes are, the crown of thorns off the Jesus statue and like hits that guy in the face with it, that was pretty impressive. And the guy like peels it off and it's like, it's in yeah, there. Like, yeah, it's, 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 it's really effective gross. in its violence. Um, yeah. Surprisingly so for that time period. I think that it would even fly, you know, nowadays if you cleaned up the film a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think so. so. Um, I, I think there's, there's a lot going for it. I'm going to give it six open caskets, six out of 10 open caskets. That's what we're going with. Hydra bird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I think the, I think it's a pretty good movie. I've never heard of it, but it's definitely, I feel like I'll remember it. Um, and I, I, I kind of want to watch the sequels now. And I, there's a documentary on the, uh, the writer and director, the guy who played Coffin, Joe Jose. So I, I might want to check that out. Because yeah. he's definitely, it seems like he's been a, a somewhat of a pillar in the horror community, even though I, I wasn't aware of him as much. There's a, definitely mm-hmm. a gap in my horror knowledge from older stuff, black and white stuff like Hitchcock. I, those are things I want to go back and kind of look into. I'm more yeah. of an 80s horror guy. So yeah. that's where my horror knowledge started from. But um, yeah, and I thought the runtime was pretty good. Like I didn't feel like I, it wasn't a slog to get through. So an hour yeah. and 20 minutes. The only thing that took longer was I paused it to take notes, you know, other than that. <laughs> Um, I thought it was pretty good. I thought the acting was pretty good, and it was a, they did an impressive job with what they had. I don't even know what the budget might have been for a movie like this, but they did pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's fine. I think I'm going to give it six six point five open caskets yeah. out of ten. All right, John, right. how do you feel? <laughs> this is going to knock your effing socks off. Um. <laughs> you like it more than I thought you would. I do. Give it to us. I, I actually do. Seven, I, actually. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, acting was spot on. I mean, again, there's not much you can do. I really love the special effects. I thought they were fantastic. I thought how innovative some of these kills were, um, especially during this time frame, because I know they really held back a lot. And I, I don't know uh, what, what the Brazilian law was for making these films, but they nailed it. I mean, for me, it was just so fun. And, I, it's supposed to invoke emotions and you did and i jumped twice in the movie like it was probably from thunder and oh whoa you know because i'm sitting there looking on my laptop with my headphones on i'm gonna go eight i'm gonna nice. go eight out of ten open casting caskets i say you need to watch this movie if you can find it i was hovering and around a seven it's bizarre seven, jacqueline gave it a six i was like like God damn it, Jacqueline! You you picked out some bizarre movie, but it was fun. I actually had yeah, so much fun with this movie. Yeah, I'm me so too. Glad that you guys, I'm so glad that you guys enjoyed it. I'm always afraid when I make somebody else watch something that they're gonna hate it and then hate me. So now I was thinking, like, leave it to Jacqueline to pick the foreign film with subtitles, is black and white, but yeah. it's really good. I hated the no, character. I thought no, the character I sucked. Oh yeah, he's I mean, not like the like, character, but I don't think you're meant to like him. At all, you no, love to the, hate him. You yeah, he's the antagonist, so you want him. But to I don't remember him. He oh, was yeah. you know, I wouldn't call him an antagonist. I'd call him an anti-hero because he if, is the protagonist. All he's of missing the movie. is a is a twirly mustache. I felt. Yeah, like, you know he what I mean. To, like twiddle yeah. with the. Like whatever. that's all he was missing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he's though. an anti-hero. Yeah, yeah he, he had the laugh. He did. Are you guys ready for some trivia? I'm ready. Are we doing a game here or what? I don't have a game so much. I just have interesting facts for now. Um, so uh, a few things that kind of might flesh out the environment in which he made this and kind of the, um, the artistic uh, perseverance that he had. So the idea for this character actually came to him in a dream. He dreamed that he was being dragged around by a man with a top hat and a 
cape and that he saw his own, either his own grave or his own body. I can't remember which, but um, it, the idea, the image really stuck with him. And when he woke up the next day, he started making phone calls, like, how can I get this made? I want to make a story around this character and develop it more. And so it literally just came to him in a dream. Yeah, I think that's awesome. But also that's what Mr. Hyde looked like with the cape and the top hat, the big that's stove true. top. Yeah, I, I wonder if that was kind of a subconscious influence on probably, and the way his eyes yeah. changed when he got mad—that might have been a, a nod and to that. His two different personalities, where he was really nice to people, and then all of a sudden he'd turn around and be almost like when he put the top hat on. Yeah, that's that when is he pretty, turned. Yeah, because there were times where he didn't have the hat on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'm, I'm starting. To and he wasn't like a bad-looking guy or anything like that. You know what I mean? He was—he had a nice beard. You know, not, not that I'm biased or anything, but. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Beards, beards equal evil. Just saying. Oh, what? Um, he uh, so. Berg's the evil one of this podcast. <laughs> wow. Oh dear. See, the good laugh. He got the laugh and everything. Uh, so, in trying to find the right actor to play the lead role, he auditioned tons of male actors to to play the role, but nobody seemed right to him. He said he wanted, you know, a, a big guy who seemed really strong because. Oh. Coffin Joe needs to be really strong and just none of the actors were making the cut for him. And so he decided that he was just going to play it himself (laughs) and do it right. He's not a big guy, but I think he did play it with very firm authority strength and he really hit, you know, that evil right on the head. The other writer was, uh, I believe it's uh, Magda, Magda May or Maya. Mm -hmm. And she was the one who played um, Tedrazina. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, they were co-writers. Cool. I did not know that. Yeah. Well, it's too bad Tom Cruise wasn't alive back then because he would have been a perfect Joe. Man, I could see Tom Cruise doing this and he's like jumping on the couch and shit. Like, <laughs> and he's got his platform Absolutely. shoes on, you know, yeah. so he looks because he's my height. <laughs> I don't know. He's already in the mummy, though, so it might not work. Uh, he, he went to extreme lengths to make this film happen. He even sold his home to finance it. And wow. he literally just owns the clothes on his back because he, he sold everything to, to make the, the film. Uh, the reaction to the film at the time, as you might be able to guess, was not great in terms of the authorities. Uh, the Catholic Church was pissed. The Brazilian military dictatorship were pissed, and he was excommunicated from the church. He, he uh, is a Catholic. Um, he is critical of the Catholic Church, so he believes in God and he follows the, the tenets of Catholicism. But he also is very critical of um, the church's like financial, like accumulation of wealth and their obvious mm-hmm. crimes against children and priests secretly having children with women and all kinds of. Um, you know, nefarious stuff that the Catholic Church has obviously gotten up to. So he condemns all that. He does consider himself a Catholic and he's excommunicated from the church when the film came out. And much of his film work was actually destroyed and he was thrown in jail. Whoa. (laughs) Sounds like the dude that made uh, Cannibal Holocaust. (laughs) It's just fake. It's just fake. That guy killed turtles though. Yeah, He did. did. And muskrats. Yeah. Uh, but despite all of the blowback from the authorities, the film was a financial ex- a success. Uh, audiences loved it, and a lot of people went to go see it. They were crazy about it, but he was kind of a shitty businessman, and so he didn't really make uh, a financial... I don't think he turned much of a profit from it, because it sounds like he didn't really know how to handle his money. Yeah. But, too well. who's, so, so the second movie was made, what, two years after this? And when, I think when was the, one or two years after this. And the yeah. last one was made when? 2008. Oh, 2008. Geez. Yeah, he finally made yeah. A, a third. Yeah. Um, and so, and there, there's a lot of reasons for that, which I don't know if they're terribly interesting. But yeah, so the film was a success. And 1967 was the sequel. Okay. Okay. So three years later. Yeah. Yeah. And then it took a really long time to make the third one. Yeah. They're actually rated pretty well on IMDb, actually, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, we're on the money with this one. It's just, it's got a seven out of 10. Yeah. This one. And the sequel has a seven. 7.1 out of 10. Yeah. So this guy, he's really kind of an iconic figure in Brazil. Coffin Joe it has had his own like comic books. He's been a horror host on TV. I was going to say, and I bet he's done a lot of con like visits and stuff like that. I would imagine so. Uh, he had his own shampoo, his own liquor. He's, he ran wow. for office uh, and he appeared at um, Carnival. Was it in called Liquor? 
I hope so. <laughs> There's no other choice. <laughs> Come on, that's what I bring to the cast, man. Come on, that's my thing. It's called that's it's called will... your barren wine. <laughs> oh my god. How insensitive. Yeah. So Whoa, Harrison... hey, hold on a second. What? <laughs> Just kidding. So I've never been to Brazil, but it sounds like if you go to Brazil and you know, talk to people about Cop and Joe, it's a well-known figure, like an iconic film figure. Yeah. So. Yeah, they they what they they speak like a mix of Spanish and port, Portuguese, Portuguese. I think. Portuguese. Yeah, oh, that's what they speak. Yeah. So I'll just parts of the dialect sound a little like Spanish. So. Yeah, I'll just I'll run down there and say Cop and Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Zedo Cachao. Maybe close to how it's Zedu Cachao. No, I won't remember that. <laughs> you don't have to. All right. All right. And anything that's all else, guys? I got. That's it for me. All right. Well, hey, uh, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of a Cut Above Horror Review. I'm going to be picking a movie. I like that name. I do, too. Yeah. It'll yeah. look great on a shirt, Hydra Bird. Is <laughs> yeah. Cut Above. But uh, I'll be picking a movie that these uh, ladies and gents will, and we'll be discussing about it uh, next week. Looking you guys have a it. great rest of the week, all right? Definitely. You too.